2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Be Careful Out There. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Kelsey. Today, I have a very true story for you. This one is a little different than the ones I've done so far and a little bit shorter. This story is just strange. It's one of those things that you hear about and then it just keeps you up at night because you're like, what actually happened here? (laughs) Because there's really not a whole lot of information to go off of. All we have is something super weird that happened and no one has any answers for it.
2: Interesting. I'm intrigued because you told me that I know this case or scenario or whatever because we heard it on another podcast, Scared to Death, at some point. Yes. But they have a bunch of episodes and I've listened to all of them and I haven't listened to any in a while. So it's been a long time. So I have no idea what you're even talking about or hinting at. So I'm super interested to find out.
1: Yeah. So I feel like you've heard this before, but it's not super fresh on your mind. So... Maybe it'll jog your memory when I start talking, but I really hope this is super fresh for you.
2: I'm sure I'll remember as you start going through it, but we'll see.
1: So, on to this story involving a young man named Brandon Swanson. Brandon lived with his parents in Marshall, Minnesota, and was a college student at Minnesota West Community and Technical College in Canby, Minnesota, where he was studying in the wind turbine program.
2: I already think I know what this story is. Just just with that little information i I do remember a story from Scared to Death that was very weird, has no answers. yeah, I think I already know what this story is, and you've read one sentence,
1: yeah, <laughs>
2: but it's a very good one, so let's get into it i'm I'm still interested in hearing it,
1: yeah, it's so spooky it gave
2: it gave me chills for real the first time I heard it, so I wonder if it'll still give me chills this time.
1: After his spring semester came to an end in 2008, he went to a couple of parties on May 13th to celebrate being done for the summer before driving back home to Marshall. Several of his friends confirmed that he had been drinking at both parties, but not enough to actually become drunk. Brandon left the last party, which was about 35 miles from his home, sometime after midnight. The route that made the most sense to take getting home was on Minnesota State Highway 68 and this was the route he took nearly every day to get to and from campus. But on this night, for reasons that to this day no one is aware of, he decided to forgo the highway and take a more remote way home through some farmland, and he ended up swerving into a ditch and getting stuck. He called his parents, Brian and Annette Swanson, to let them know what had happened and that he would need them to come meet him and give him a ride. But he assured them over the phone that both him and the vehicle were all right. While Brandon waited for his parents to meet him, he kept up the phone call with them so that he could direct them towards his exact location. Now, if this happened to me, I would have to stay on the phone with whoever was coming to get me because I would just be super creeped out being alone near a cornfield somewhere in the middle of the night.
2: Yeah, for real. That's a super creepy scenario. That reminds me of the time we were out with our friends and we were using that weird app that's supposed to detect anomalies and like we were just being silly and just go into wherever <laughs> it told us to go. Yeah,
1: like kind of similar to like ley lines or something.
2: Yeah, and then there the very first one took us to a field and it was telling us to go to the middle of the field. But there was a little drive parking area that we pulled up in and parked. And then all of a sudden a red truck pulled in like right behind us. I
1: was so scared in that moment. I didn't know what was going to happen.
2: Yeah, I thought maybe we were on somebody else's land and that they were going to ask us, like, what are y'all doing here? You need to get off my land or whatever, because it's Arkansas and people are very gripey like that. And it was clearly an older man in a giant red truck. So I pulled forward to start turning around. And as I pulled forward... He pulled up to where we were and then just turned and drove straight into the middle of the field.
1: And he didn't really slow down either.
2: And it was exactly where it was telling us to go, the middle of that field. I have no idea why it wanted us to go to the middle of the field, but it did. And then some guy pulled in behind us and drove straight to the middle of that field.
1: It was just so, it was such a coincidence. It makes you really feel like it did detect an anomaly.
2: Still to this day, I wonder what that man was doing in the middle of that field at close to dusk. The sun was on its way down. I'm just glad that we didn't drive out there for, or get out and start walking out there.
1: I know. Truth be told, I was actually pretty relieved when he did drive into the field because I thought he was going to pull up beside us and maybe shoot us. You have it's to Arkansas. assume. Arkansas.
2: You never exactly. know when you're on somebody else's land.
1: You always have to assume that you're going to get shot you pull into the wrong driveway you better pull out as fast as you can but yeah when Chris and I went to school at Arkansas State we didn't commute we lived on campus but when we did go home to visit it was an hour and a half drive and at least half of the drive was super remote like this
2: well part of the time we didn't live on campus but we lived literally right across the street
1: yeah but when we still sort of were like living with our families and BB like the drive back and forth I hated it because it was offensively un
2: And your car would just constantly be attacked by suicide bugs. True. <laughs> you could clean your car before starting this two-hour journey. And then the entire two-hour journey is soybean and cornfields. And yeah, your car would just be covered in bugs. Front, back, under, All of it, just completely (laughs) covered in bugs by the time you get to your destination. No matter which direction you're going, whether you're going from BB to school or from school to BB, no matter what, your car was just a whole new, it had a whole new paint job by the time you got there.
0: (laughs) If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's
1: plushcare.com weightloss. <laughs> so many bugs, so many fields. It was kind of sad, really. But I hated being on this route at night, especially, because I was always wondering what would happen to me if my car broke down out there. I mean, I have roadside assistance. I'm sure I'd be fine. But it would have been creepy as hell if nothing else.
2: Especially around that little town called Cache. I don't know why, but that little town was just so weird to me.
1: Because there was almost nothing to it. There was
2: one gas station. That was it. And then you could see several silos from different farms. But that was literally it. One gas station.
1: There was a gas station and a cop that liked to give speeding tickets.
2: Yep. He would sit under a tree right beside the gas station.
1: So Brandon was on the phone with his parents while he waited for them to pick him up. And he informed them that he was pretty close to the town of Lind, which wasn't too far from his home, so his parents weren't having to travel too far. They agreed to a plan where both Brandon and his parents would flash their headlights on and off when his parents were close, so that they could locate one another in the dark. But this didn't end up working, and as Brandon's parents started to take more and more time to find him, he grew a tad bit frustrated on the phone. He asked his parents, Don't you see me? He must have been pretty tired and stressed at this point, so he was sort of lashing out a little at his parents. He finally gave up and hung up on them. His mom called him back, apologizing for not being able to find him, and Brandon told them that he'd just try to walk back to his friend's house in Lynde. But Brian Swanson wasn't about to leave his son to wander into the night by himself, so he dropped Annette off at home and then kept looking for Brandon. And finally, they agreed to a new plan they were going to meet up in the parking lot of a nightclub in the town of Lind. Brandon was still in the middle of nowhere at this point, but he started to follow the lights that he believed indicated the town. And he wasn't walking down the road at this point. He was walking in the middle of a field to get to these lights.
2: This is weird. So they were driving on the road that he was stranded on, but they couldn't see him. And he almost made it sound like he could see them. Like... You can't see me? What the heck?
1: So he actually, it was weird. So he was looking at the lights in the distance that he believed to be the city lights of Lind. And it's just so strange because it's such a small area. If one car is going to come and flash their light, you're going to see it. It's just so weird.
2: Well, what I was thinking is like, what if he was in some sort of parallel dimension to where he could see them but they couldn't see him i mean who who knows how any of that would work but it's fascinating to think that that would be a possibility
1: you have to theorize something so brandon's father over the phone heard him walking along in this field before suddenly shouting oh shit and then there was just silence there was no sign of brandon on the other line brian hung up and tried calling his son again several times and Brandon never picked up. That was the last time Brandon was ever heard from again. It has now been 15 years since this phone call between Brandon and his dad ended, and Brandon still has not been found anywhere, dead or alive. For the rest of the night of Brandon's disappearance, Brian and Annette Swanson, along with some of their son's friends, searched the surrounding area, but they all came up short. In the early morning, shortly after Brandon's disappearance, Brian and Annette Swanson went to the police to report their son as missing. The police were no help, however. All they did was tell the Swansons to be patient and simply wait for Brandon to come home. They said that it was normal for young men to stay out all night, and one of them even said it's his right to be missing. But eventually, the police had to join the search, because more and more hours were passing by and Brandon still hadn't turned up. Using cell tower tracking technology, They found that the location he had made the call from was actually near Porter, Wisconsin, not near Lind, which was about 25 miles away.
2: So he was way turned around.
1: He really was. They soon found his Chevy Lumina sedan in a ditch nearby. And interestingly, he had left his glasses in the car, despite needing them to see due to depth perception issues. In my opinion, that's one of the strangest details of this whole case.
2: Is that he left his glasses in the car? Yeah, he wore glasses
1: all the time.
2: It was nighttime, too, and he was walking around at night, probably not being able to see anything walking through a field.
1: And just think about, like, trying to squint to see the lights, and it's all blurry. That's so strange. Now, a huge search effort began over a sizable area of land, complete with air surveillance and hundreds of volunteers. A canine search unit led the police to the Yellow Medicine River, which raised concerns that Brandon had fallen into the water. So the search extended to the river as well. But the scent trail abruptly ended. The dogs did find some human remains in the area, but none that ended up pertaining to this particular case.
2: Well, that's scary too. Just, oh, we stumbled across some other human remains. We'll deal with that later. Let's try and find this person first.
1: That really just reinforces my fear of, country roads like this.
2: I guess stumbling across human remains isn't always the worst thing because if you think about further back in history it was probably pretty common for people to bury their relatives on their farm or something like that. So I guess on farmland it wouldn't be that crazy to find human remains. It doesn't necessarily mean that it would be like a murder or anything like that. It could just be A family that lived there a century ago would bury their family members on the farm. So I guess that's possible.
1: Right. I didn't really think of that. A member of emergency support services, Ken Anderson, said that there were several personal properties in the area that couldn't be searched due to legal conflict. Many local farmers were happy to let the police search their property and would even join in the search, But many of the other farmers weren't too thrilled at the idea of search dogs coming onto their property near the cattle or the crops. And this is still a setback to the investigation today. Many farmers refused to compromise with the police on this. And the reason this is so interesting is because, at one point, the canine team did pick up Brandon's scent on a nearby piece of farm equipment. But the farmer who owned it didn't let the police search his property. And because of how the law works, they can't really ask him why not. They just don't have access to that property. And over time, it gets harder and harder for the dogs to track a scent. There are dogs that specialize in the tracking of aged scents, but these dogs are so rare that the state of Minnesota only ever has about three available at any given time. So Brandon's parents were actually still pretty pissed that the police had not immediately begun an investigation. So they petitioned for there to be a law saying that police have to immediately write a missing person's report and begin an investigation. Brandon's parents were actually still pretty pissed that the police had not immediately begun an investigation, so they petitioned for there to be a law saying that police have to immediately write a missing person's report and begin an investigation, no matter what the age of the missing person is. So this was called Brandon's Law and was passed in Minnesota on July 1st, 2009. What happened to Brandon? Some say he could have drowned in the river, although, as I said earlier, there has been an extensive search there. The river was still being searched as recently as 2021. One other theory is that he fell into an unmarked cistern, as there were several of those in the area, but beyond that, it's anyone's guess. Brandon's mother, Annette, is quoted as saying, People don't vanish into thin air, but it sure seems like he did. So, to anyone who likes taking back roads, be careful out there.
2: Ooh, yeah. I remember when this was covered on Scared to Death. I think they talked about it as a potential alien abduction. But honestly, the fact that he was walking through a field, which was probably private property, towards some lights that he thought was a city that he was actually nowhere near, it makes me wonder if he just... Stumbled across the wrong scene and the wrong people at the wrong time, and they just got rid of him. Right, because that's definitely what it sounds like.
1: Someone could have just been lurking in the shadows and maybe run off with him or just taken him onto one of the private properties that couldn't be searched.
2: What I'm kind of thinking is, what if he stumbled across somebody who even may have been innocently out working and he got spooked? Or he spooked them, I guess, and uh, maybe they had a firearm on them or something, and thought that they needed to defend themselves, and
1: then just and then cover it
2: up or something, because the the part about the scent on a piece of farming equipment is what really sounds weird to me, because you have to think, especially if it's a big farm, they they use these big combines that basically chop everything up as they go along, and so if somebody Killed someone and then just left them in the middle of a field. It's very possible that when they're harvesting. That that body could just get chopped up with a bunch of other things. You know. I don't know.
1: That's a lovely image.
2: It sounds awful. But there have been plenty of farming accidents. Where farmers have got caught up in the combines. And just that was it. It's very dangerous to work on a farm. Yeah I bet. And I doubt that they walk every square meter of their farm because they have huge huge farms you know I don't know that these farms in particular obviously I have no idea but there are farms out there that are hundreds of acres you can't keep track of everything that's on a 100 acres of land that's a lot of land you know so I guess it really depends on how big these farms were and things like that because I guess he could have stumbled across the wrong crowd of people that were maybe doing some nefarious things and they could have got rid of him.
1: The only thing that really stumps me is just the fact that, okay, just think about the phone call. You could hear him walking and then he said, oh shit, and then there was silence. Mm-hmm. There was no sound of a struggle. That's what really gets me about this one.
2: That, that is interesting. Cause a phone, it's like he just vanished. A phone could be put on mute, but I don't see why he would say, oh shit, and then put his own phone on mute. And I feel like you would hear a struggle if somebody else was taking the phone from him to put it on mute. So that is a very interesting point.
1: It seemed like it all happened super quickly. Mm -hmm. Like he was just walking and then, oh shit, and then silence. It's like you can, if somebody did mute it, like they would have to grab him, cover his mouth, and then mute him at the same time so that his parents didn't hear anything on the other line. Whatever happened to him, it could not have been anything good.
2: If he fell in the river, you would think that you would be able to hear the water as he's coming up on the river. Because most rivers, even streams, are pretty loud. If you're out and about and there's no other noise, you can hear water rushing. And so if his dad was able to hear him walking through the field, you would think that his dad would also hear the rushing water.
1: Unless he was dragged away to the river later. Because there seem to be signs that he was in the river when you think about how the dogs tracked his scent to the river mm-hmm. and then they found a little bit of it on the other side suggesting that he might have been in the river at some point. If he was, it couldn't have been right when he said, oh shit, because he was just walking in the field, right?
2: That That's what I was thinking about because if he fell in the river, if he said, oh shit, as he fell in the river, could the water...
1: Oh, maybe instantly
2: th- fry the phone and make it to where the dad couldn't hear probably, anything probably yeah but my thought process is the dad would have heard the rushing water before the oh shit
1: yes because they said the river was like super full and super high at the time
2: so yeah it just doesn't make sense like a lot of this just is not adding up that's no. what's so interesting about this case so i could see why somebody would maybe think that it's an alien abduction i don't necessarily think that it was that but that's
1: just the theory that comes up when every other theory is kind of exhausted
2: yeah i think it's much more likely that a local farmer did something nefarious all right well i think that's it for today's episode if you enjoyed this one and you want to help support the podcast the best thing you can do is leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and if you want to go above and beyond and help support us financially and get ad-free episodes, you can check out our Patreon. The link for that is in the description. Thank you to JD, who is our one Patreon that we shouted out in the last episode, but JD also sent us some recommendations for episodes.
1: Yes, thank so you. So we
2: hope to get to those in the near future. So thanks. If you have any other recommendations that you want to send in, you can send those in to be careful out there, podcast at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, and give us a follow if you want to hear a new episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.
2: And as always,
1: be be careful careful out out
2: there.
0: there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,